I collapsed into my seat with a groan. It was time to record another episode of the podcast. I logged into the call where Nathaniel Creed was waiting for me, topless, soft, supple breasts curved just above the ribs. They were dolloped with two pink, puffy, Hershey kiss nipples that leapt skyward when he saw my face in eager anticipation of our conversation. He's like a, like a tree trying to grow just a little closer to the sun. We'd started words about books a long time ago. It was an effort to try to draw some attention to our writing, maybe get a little better at writing ourselves. That mission turned into an abject failure, of course. Now all we did was mock the hard work of others, make stupid little skits and asides and audio gags about people that had actually taken risks and in many ways we were too afraid to. But life isn't always what you want it to be. Sometimes, very occasionally, you just got to take what you can get. And with that, I swallowed a healthy gulp of my own pride, dreams, ambitions, and no small amount of bile that rose in my throat as Nathaniel began jiggling. With great reluctance, I heaved the air out of my lungs and spoke the words that would start the episode. Hey Nate, so we're talking about the Dresden Files today. Oh, shit. Hold on. I swallowed my food as quickly as I could. I had no idea that I would be called upon so soon after the opening credits had ended. I didn't actually have anything prepared. I had intended to find my old fedora hat, but I must have thrown it out at some point back in the day when I smartened up a little bit. That figures. Can't have anything go Nate's way. That's when I looked over and I saw that the worst was yet to come. And that wasn't a euphemism, no. My webcam was on. I had intended to show Ben my cool fedora hat for cool people, and... Well, I didn't have it, and I also didn't have a shirt. So he was clearly just staring at my breast this whole time. Hell's bells. How am I going to recover from this? I'll have to say something really quick to break the awkward silence. Uh, hey, Ben. How's it going? So uh, I'm sure some of the audience is very confused. I got to imagine there's a pool of people who have never read the Dresden Files and then probably a pool of people who have never listened to the audiobooks of the Dresden Files, particularly, I don't know if it's all of them or not, those edited, or not edited, narrated by James Marsters of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fame. He played the character Spike. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, well, and the weird thing is he played the character Spike and he spoke with a, like, British punk accent all through the show. 
And so you probably wouldn't even know it was him if you had watched the show because his natural speaking voice is like some kind of almost Southern American accent. Oh, is that why all the women have Southern accents? They're all Southern bells. Just hell's bells. Just wondering what Mr. Harry Dresden is going to take off next. Yeah, so we both listened to the audiobook, and boy, was that an experience. Like, I have criticisms <laughs> of the book, I have thoughts on the book, but my God, do I have thoughts on the audiobook. I was sitting there listening to that audiobook, and by sitting there, I mean walking laps around my neighborhood, and just thinking, like, as a podcaster, I have thoughts on this. You know, as a man who talks directly into a microphone for a long time, you you have probably heard the occasional mouth noise. You know what I'm talking about, the old But I edit that out normally. You know, as much as I can. You you might hear it every now and then, but certainly we cut it. We don't we don't leave in every <gasps> <sighs> Well, or you can hear sometimes his hands moving. Oh my god, it's like the gain is turned up on that recording so loud. You can hear him tapping his foot on the ground in some scenes. It's crazy. Who We're edited? really glad that he didn't have a sandwich or something on him while recording, or a drink, because you would hear him drinking that the entire time. So first off, we're talking about Grave Peril by Jim Butcher of the Dresden Files oh, yeah. series. I don't even yeah. think we mentioned it. This is where it's about books. I'm Ben, he's Nate. But... <laughs> I'm Hel- Hell's Bells, Ben. <laughs> Hell's Bells, Nate. We forgot the intro. Go get Amaracus and spank me again. No. <laughs> Like, I, I gotta get this thought about the audiobook out first because it's gonna color the whole rest of the episode. Is like, I don't know if it was an acting choice. He's a, a serious actor. A directing choice or a complete failure of editing. The audiobook. Or, or some combination. I've, I've never had an opinion before in my life on the editing of an audiobook. I've never thought about it. For the most part, it just fades into the background. Every once in a while, I'll notice, like, obviously, they cut mid-chapter for the day because the next paragraph comes in with a totally different energy. I notice things like that. (laughs) But in this one, they, like, there's hard cuts mid-sentence sometimes. There's all these mouth noises everywhere. The gain is way too loud. Like, I get on you for noise reduction more than they got on this guy and this, like, this this Hollywood <laughs> I, actor and, and this I, official I'm sure production. that this was, a, this was a deliberate choice because at the beginning, Jim Butcher talks about what a great job this actor does in voicing the audiobooks and how that has made helped make the series take off. Well, there's a lot so, of like Buffy moms who I'm sure would watch anything that this guy was in cuz they still have a crush on Spike from I don't know, I guess Buffy was actually still pretty hot at the time he would have been recording these books. 2001 this came out. I don't know when yeah, the audiobook was done. 2001. <clears throat> Maybe I should turn my gain all the way up. No, please. moving around in my chair (laughs) no please don't i have standards and (laughs) 
I specifically went out to get a bag of chips for this so I could eat it into the mic for that opening. It is such a shitty recording. I feel <laughs> bad for the actor, to be honest, because he's not that bad. He's not that good, but he's not that bad. I, if it was his choice... He's gotta, you gotta act. You gotta know that Harry Dresden is sighing. <sighs> I'm gonna have to go kill a man. The book is written with this internal monologue, film noir, like the dame walked into my office and I saw her nips were perked and ready. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. That's real. That, that, no, yeah, it's actually worse than that. But, yeah. <laughs> they, um,. <laughs> I can understand like the choice to want to lean all the way into the mic and like kind of whisper into it and like really get all of the vocal fry of your voice in there. Hell's bells, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's like if I I would be doing that thinking like okay, but then the editor's going to take out the lip smacks. Like sometimes no, I think he was just not. literally going like, and then she walked into my office and and he like turns a page. And they just left it in. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I hear the page turning. <laughs> <laughs> this man is just trying to read the script. I really think the editor screwed him over here. So, James Marsters, I, I have faith in you. I have not and never will forgive you for that fucking Dragon Ball movie. But I did like you as Spike. Wait, what? What? He was what Piccolo. about the Dragon Ball? Oh, my God. Yeah, he was Piccolo in the Dragon Ball movie. Oh, so this guy actually sucks is what you're telling me. He's not had a great <laughs> career. Of all the Buffy main players, I think the only one doing worse than him is Xander, who went on to a thrilling life of crime. Oh! <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did all kinds of drugs and running from cops. But yeah. So I don't know a ton about Jim Butcher. Do you have any about the author stuff? Not, not even a little bit. Didn't we? Didn't we decide that he started writing these books to prove a professor wrong that you can't use a cookie cutter formula to make successful books? And then he did it, and it was successful. Is that is that a real story? That is the one anecdote I did look up because you mentioned it to me, and I wanted to make sure it was real before we said it. What I understand is he was at a writing workshop or some. I think it was held on a college campus. Whatever it was, I'm not sure if it was a creative writing class or a workshop. And he was having a hard time getting stuff published. He kept getting rejected. His professor found out that uh, Butcher was a big fan of the Anita Blake stories by Laurel K. Hamilton, which is something we can get into at another time. They are trashy supernatural romance where lycanthropy is spread not through hmm. being bitten or scratched, <laughs> but through being intimate. Of course. Yes, of course. So <laughs> she told him, why don't you try writing something like those Laurel K. Hamilton books? And he said, well, I, I don't know exactly what he said about them, but I think he thought they were too formulaic, maybe. And that he didn't think just writing with that formula would work. Well, turns out it does. And <laughs> yeah. It wound up being the most commercially successful thing he'd ever written. And so in a spirit that we here at Words About Books commend, he was like, you know what? If it prints money, I ain't going to stop it. Yeah. So he just 
book after book, <laughs> almost one a year <laughs> for like 10 years. Uh, um, 15 years, yeah. From yeah. 2000 to 2015, is about about one book a year. And then he stopped for some reason, and then he released two in 2020, and that's it. I don't think he's done yet. I think there is more coming. Yeah, I don't think he's done yet. I wouldn't be done yet. He's putting more time. He's a relatively young guy. I mean, he's putting more time between the books, and eh, that's his right. He's he's certainly done enough. His fans seem happy. So I I had an opinion of these books. I had avoided reading them for a long time. I would always see them at the bookstore. I had friends who liked them. I know. And you're not friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I became curious about them again when I saw some of the other book podcasters starting to cover them. I think um, I'm going to blank on everybody's names now. Fantasy for the Ages was one that comes to mind. They they were talking about the Dresden Files a lot. And I was like, well, maybe I should give it a shot. I had always looked at the cover of the book and I'd see this guy in a duster with a wizard staff and this like Indiana Jones hat. And I'd be like, it's called a fedora, okay? I don't think it is. It's not a fedora. It's called a trilby, okay? I don't even know what it's that is. It's called a bowler hat, okay? You just Do you live in a haberdashery? Where do you even get these terms? <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Hell's bells, the... Ben. I used to have a fedora back in the day. Oh, hell's bells, Nate. I would tip my fedora at people And that's why I was single for a very long time (laughs) As Ben was sitting there talking to me I was reflecting longingly Upon the days when I used to oil up my fedora Head on down (laughs) to the cone beanie as the Japanese call it And get myself a frozen and tasteless turkey sandwich Oil up my fedora. <laughs> I don't know what you do with a fedora. <laughs> the point is, it looked cringy. I, I always thought, like, okay, this this is dumb. I, I could just picture so many guys who, like, I knew who owned dusters. If you're in a movie, a duster looks great. If you're in real life, you look like the dumbest person walking down the street if you wear a duster. (laughs) I knew so many people who were maybe not the most socially well-adjusted, who were big into anime, big into fantasy, who would always try to dress like the characters in their favorite shows, not realizing that that fashion doesn't quite work when the world around you... also those characters tend to be, like, fit. Is that 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 also accurate? That wasn't as much of a problem. But <laughs> okay, yeah, it was just <laughs> or like it was those people like showered regularly. Is it was a also... misspent. I'm not. They maybe, weren't that bad. Maybe those characters also like paid attention to some personal hygiene. They shaved regularly. Uh, is that <laughs> is, this, is this also a consideration? But I decided because all these people were having relatively positive opinions about it, people I respect, I'll give it a shot. And I think I mentioned it to you, and you took a look at it. Did you? Were you aware of it before? No, but you just kept saying, "Oh, this looks like a Jim Butcher thing." I yeah. think I heard about the Dresden Files when I was looking for a non D and D tabletop RPG, and for some reason that came up. I don't even they know. Do, if there is they do. They do have a tabletop. Do game. they? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I would lump it in the. Uh, I'd lump it in the soft magic kind of 
genre of sci-fi. And oh, no, his... no, 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 no. Oh, God. Harry Dresden does not do soft magic. He is always hard. As the Dickens. Hell's Bells. <laughs> Hell's Bells is actually the spell that he uses to get himself up. Oh, well, then he is indeed. <laughs> he is indeed rock solid most of the time. <laughs> Because of how often he says that. Hell's bells, Nate. That's why when you said this took place in 2001, I was like, huh? He says hell's bells all the time. What are you talking about? Just to set the stage, we decided to start with Grave Peril. You chose it because somebody or some list said that this was where the story really gets going. A lot of people agreed this is where Jim Butcher starts coming into his own as a writer. Maybe other fans feel like we should have started differently, but I didn't really have any trouble getting into the universe or I feel like I was missing anything. The, I guess the previous book had something to do with werewolves, and that's referenced a lot, but it didn't get in the way that much. And apparently one of the main characters of this book is introduced like he's always been there, and apparently other people read the book and thought they might have missed something. Is that accurate? I saw some reviews on Goodreads. The character you're talking about is Michael, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a, a Knight Templar type guy, a paladin, if you will, who has a sacred sword named Michael. And he and Dresden what? have been working what? together. What? Uh, 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 it's Amarakis. Is it's Amarakis. Yeah. But if you're eating a sandwich, it's Hammerakis. Yeah, that's not funny, Arthur. That's not the kind of humor we do on this show. Yeah, Michael and Dresden are uh, old pals, and they seem to have solved numerous cases together before. One very important, and that, as far as I know, is developed completely off screen. I read a lot of reviews where people were asking if they missed a short story or something that detailed when they met. Like, did something come between book two and book three? And the answer was no. I think he just kind of wrote that Dresden has other friends than the ones you've seen him with, which... Yeah. I don't hate. I don't need an origin story for absolutely everything. Also, I was I was incorrect to call him Michael because he is Michael Joseph Patrick Carpenter. And he also is a carpenter. Well, obviously. You don't have a last name like Carpenter unless you are also a carpenter. So sort of the world of the Dresden Vials is an urban fantasy. It takes place in the Windy City. It features Harry Dresden and his band of misfits. Harry Dresden no, no. is... No, 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 Oh, God. Harry Copperfield Blackstone Dresden. Or maybe it's Blackstone Cop... Yeah, it's Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden, which made me cringe just a little bit. I think I think Butcher was really thinking David Copperfield would turn out to be a bigger thing than he, than he was. Well, why do you need four names? Because you're magical. Because you have four magical names. That explains why I have four names. Nathaniel Sterling Cool Guy Creed. I thought your (laughs) true name that I used to bind you in my demon spell was (laughs) Chad Dingleton. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to do whatever I say. And and mostly everything you say is going to involve my breasts. That's true. That's going to be a large portion of this podcast. (laughs) In the world of the Dresden Files, there is uh, 
several magical factions. At the bare minimum, there is the White Council, which represents near as I can tell human wizards. There is the Fairy Court, possibly more than one, but like I think there's at least two. Because there's at least two sides of the never-never. I was getting to the never-never. Please, get into the never-never. The never-never is kind of like the realm between the magical realm, where spirits and fae and all all manner of mystical thing live. Oh, I thought it was like the dream world, but I guess that makes sense. They can cross the boundary from the never-never. I, I would say the never-never is like, what's um the Feywild, basically, right? That's what I was thinking, if we're going to D&D terms. Well, I don't know what the Feywild is, but it sounds like that's what it would be. Your campaigns must be boring. Yeah, my campaigns are grounded in reality, okay? You're going to have to go to the banker, and you now owe him interest on that money you borrowed so that you could pay for food the other day, because the jobs aren't coming in under King Biden, so... Look, the last time I played a role-playing game with Nate, somebody wound up needing to receive a Foley catheter. (laughs) I'm writing that up, by the way, too. My wife, by the way, has not stopped saying Foley catheter since that night. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, so there's the Never Never. That's where all the interesting shit happens. Don't hate the name Never Never. The first time I heard it, I rolled my eyes. By the end, I was like, you know what? That's actually a really, that's a really fun thing to say. I'm in the same boat. Definitely the first few times I was like, God, can you stop? (laughs) But then by the end, you're like, the never, never. Like, you want to say it with him. I I just love the cadence of never, never. He totally sold me on it. And that's kind of like my whole experience with the book (laughs) is... There is so much I roll my eyes at, but then, like, by the end, I'm kind of feeling it. So... Yeah. By the it, by the end of this podcast, you can feel my breasts, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who haven't read the Dresden Files and wonder why we keep referencing breasts, I'm also wondering why breasts were mentioned so often, but yeah, uh, so there's, we'll get to that. There's another power, and and that is uh, the power of the female chestal area. That's a big chestal magical. Area. <laughs> that's a big magical point in in the Dresden Files. He's kind of trying to keep it PG thirteen, and I, I think that's why he focuses so much on. He does he does delve into legs every now and then, but mostly the boobies is is where he or focuses. Mo- or or those legs if they're wrapped around him and straddled. Yeah, he does get straddled by a lot of female monsters. But they he never mentions the vagina. <laughs> no, he never mentions that cuz it's got to stay PG. No, in all seriousness, the other two powers that I think are important in this book are the fucking Catholic Church, which I don't really <laughs> like. Yeah. And I just love and, the way you describe that. The Vampire Courts, which is very Vampire the Masquerade. There's three of them. Yes. There's there's, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, there's Sexy Vampire, and then there's Dark Gothic Evil Vampire. I feel like these are all in Vampire the Masquerade as well. I don't know. Have you played that game, Ben? No, I avoid it, but I have known many who do. Well, if it helps, I've played the game. Oh no. And I think I told you about this. Where 
it just had a series of nested quests to the point where you can't even remember why you're doing a thing in the first place because it's like seven layers deep. A guy needs you to get a thing, but before this other guy will help you get that thing, you have to do another thing. And then when you're doing that thing, you have to do another thing. It's just, it's, it's awful. Maybe it's our awful. maybe our Halloween stream is we play Strip Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> and just wait and see how long it takes to get us kicked off Twitch. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there, yeah, the Red Court is like the fighting beastie vampires. The Black Court is the Nosferatu vampires. They're all dead and corpsey. And then the, uh, the White Court is energy vampires which are the lamest vampires like i i've seen all these documentaries where people think they're energy vampires and that's just like it's like heh, you're you're a sociopath what first off like. everybody feeling emotionally drained after spending time in a room with you does not make you a cool mystical creature <laughs> just makes you a piece of shit second eh, why would you want that why would why would you want that when you ah, could be either of the other two. Your misery. <laughs> so in addition to the, like in this world of the, the secret subculture of the supernatural, Harold Crowley, Blackstone, Copperfield, <laughs> Dragon Vonovich, Dresden is a wizard for hire. And he has like an old timey detective office that's kind of run down and he takes uh, magical detective mystery cases. And that's why he has a hat. Yeah. So, so that he looks like a detective. That That's like his badge of office. He he advertises himself in the yellow pages as a wizard. And the yellow pages for our millennial and Gen Z listeners were a book of phone numbers of businesses that was distributed to your house in case you needed to look one up to call it on this giant brick-like phone we all used to have. It was awful. It had buttons. Imagine imagine not being able to just Google like a pet groomer, for example, and instead you have to go into a big book and search for one and then go to your phone, which is attached to your wall... Or, potentially, it's wireless in the sense that it can be close to the base that is in your house. So you can't take it anywhere outside your house. Otherwise, and... it starts picking up other phones and baby monitors. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then you have to call with, like, actual buttons. It's awful. You have to tell a human person your order. They will get it wrong. And you just take whatever they bring you. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you can't complain. That's the world Harry Dresden lives in. And you tip them for it. You tip them for the privilege. <laughs> you know, that's why it felt like it was set in the past. You know, we, we think like, oh, it's set contemporary times. But at this point, that's the past. To be fair, yeah, 2001 was a long time ago. So we're 30 minutes in. We haven't technically started a summary. Thing. No, but I think we've laid the groundwork. Okay, I think now you're you're in the headspace we were in when we were reading this novel. You got your mouth noises and your soft talking <laughs> southern gentleman and, and and your breasts. vampires and breasts and your fantastic uh, breasts and the clothing that goes around them. Fairies and their never-nevers and everything's great. So, Nate, 
take us away. It starts out with Michael something something Carpenter and Harry yada 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 Dresden. They're going after a ghost. And Ben, Ben, do you love this podcast? Do I? Um, what? This podcast. Do you love this podcast? I. You have to say you love this podcast, Ben. You love this podcast. Say the words. Say it. Tell me that you love the podcast, Ben. Tell I'm, me I'm you mean, love he- it, right? Tell me that you love the podcast. Go. Hell's bells, Nate. You're really putting me on the spot here. I mean, I of, of course I do that thing you say. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> if you really love something, you would be able to say it. Look, You just remember you, that for if you need to get out of a really bad situation. Look, man, I've just been in a lot of bad situations before. Do you remember like, like that time with Minotaur Must Gaming and then... That other oh, time God. we were going to be I book do. writers, and then oh, that other geez, time yeah. we were going to, you know, I just I'm, <laughs> I, I'm afraid to get attached to any personal project. We might <laughs> we might go on hell's bells, Nate. Yeah, you know, you know, you mentioned Mantar Musk gaming. Yeah, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Never love anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that scene went on for what felt like ever. They're speeding down the highway. You have to know. That Harry Dresden is in a committed relationship, but he hasn't said I love you yet. He can't say I love you. In fact, when he tries to say love, he's like, I love you. Harry Dresden, (laughs) Harry Dresden is a bad boy, but he's a bad boy that you can change. He's secretly a good boy, but only for you. And he's, he loves you, but he's never loved anyone else. And that's why he can't say it. He can't admit his feelings to himself because he's too much of a hairy-chested, fucking tight-pants-wearing, <laughs> duster-sporting bad boy. I thought you were going to say he's too much of a hairy Dresden. <laughs> he's too much of a hairy Hell's Bells Dresden. Stars and sky. I wrote down... They're driving in a car, and he is apparently an old-ass man because he uses the phrase stars and sky. No, it's because he's like a Wiccan. He he loves the elements and the nature, and then like there's a moon. That's important, probably, to someone. The werewolves, I assume. I wrote, Harry is out of shape. He is out of shape. He's out of shape, except when he takes his shirt off, then he's very in shape. He can't climb up a few flights yeah, of stairs because it's comic, funny. That comic shows he has, like, abs. Yeah. It's funny if he's a little schlubby. But if you've ever, like, looked at the graphic novels of the Dresden Files, uh, somebody is imagining this man as chiseled as he is often nude. <laughs> he's, he's fucking ripped. That dude lives in a gym. But if he tries to climb up a couple stairs, he's going to be real out of breath. He's got that, like, oh God, I'm going to bring down the fury of the internet here, but he's, he's like that K-pop hot, where it's, it's, all, it's all show muscles, you know? It's, it's all show body. It has no oh, function. Like, it's not functional fitness. It's not functional fitness. He's just got, like, not like me, you know? It's not like my functional fitness, how, how like, I'm fat and disgusting, but I can run <laughs> for a distance. Uh, <laughs> no. 
Uh, uh, yeah so yeah it's funny because but like they got to juxtapose him with michael who like michael gets up every day and does 100 push-ups for jesus then he does 100 sit-ups for the virgin mary (laughs) then he drinks plenty of sanctified juice but yes so where are they running to they're they're driving as fast as they can drive to a hospital as fast as harry's vw beetle or punch bug or something (laughs) can take them yeah, yeah. To to go stop a ghost! It's a ghost! Oh my god, is it the ghost of Agatha Hagglethorn? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, that's another reason I was like, okay, this is like in the 1930s because this ghost was Corey from the 1800s. <laughs> Look, if you name your kid Agatha Hagglethorn, there's no way they're not going to be a ghost. <laughs> well... She married into the Hagglethorn family, right? That's true. She became a Hagglethorn. <laughs> if you're an Agatha, she... don't become a Hagglethorn. Yeah. You got to think about these name pairings. Yeah, you could be like a Nathaniel Hagglethorn. Then you're just like some asshole landowner. That does sound like an asshole landowner. Like he's just sitting on his porch. Sipping looking mint at all juleps, that land he owns. Going, it's nice to have land. <laughs> <laughs> So they're gonna they're gonna stop this Agatha Hagglethorn. It's too many G's. It's too many G sounds. That that would explain why the name like strikes me. Yeah, the way it's it very does. like it's very like stop and starty. It's very sh- it's very sharp name. Agatha Hagglethorn. Yeah, just look at that waveform. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She really she fucked up here. So four infants have died while we've been having this conversation. So let's speed it along. Agatha Hagglethorn had like an abusive husband or some shit. And like, I don't know, she accidentally killed her baby or whatever. I'm sure it's all very tragic, but now she's a ghost. And now she's killing other babies like a ghost dick. So Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden's here to save the day. He's going to shove some ghost powder up her ass and Michael's going to come in with a fucking fuck-off sword with a piece of the true cross inside of it, and he's going to fucking cut her in half, and we're going to save the day with violence. Hell yeah. But she ends up going into the never-never, right? Oh no, I can't go in there for reasons. Yeah, his don't, god. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why, Nate, Michael. Why? Because reasons. Is it is it your sexy godmother? It is my sexy godmother, yeah. It's a little weird that she's your godmother, but, like, she has the hots for you? Well, we're not, I mean, we're not related, like, step-godmother, you know? Oh, okay. It's like a a porn hub, kind of. Look, I sold my soul to a fairy creature in exchange for unspecified power. And you might be wondering, if I did that, why do I get my ass kicked so often? And, you know, that's what I say to her every time I see her. And that's why I haven't, like, fulfilled my end of the bargain. Because it's like, you know, I, I look around and I'm like, I'm powerful, but, like, am I? You know? And and so that's why I think maybe, Michael, we just got to write off these babies. I don't know if you heard me earlier. I think that one might be the next Hitler. I don't know. <laughs> well, sorry, but I'm I'm truly righteous, but I won't admit it because I'm humble. We've got to save these babies. So open up a portal. We're going in there. And we're gonna stab a ghost. 
All right. I start doing the motion from the Doctor Strange movies. Uh, we go into the Never Never, and I am immediately assaulted by my godmother. <laughs> Sexually. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And her hellhounds? I didn't expect those to be a fairy godmother's uh, minion of choice, but whatever. So they, they kill Agatha Hagglethorn's ghost. And then Michael's like, well, sorry, you, you sold your soul to her. I I can't interfere. Michael, you're kind of a douche. Hey, that's that's what God tells me, too. Uh, <laughs> he's very mean. <laughs> I know he's just saying it, you know, to, to keep me humble. But, like, sometimes it really cuts deep. Yeah, so they, they kill Agatha Hagglethorne. Harry manages to welch on a deal. That will be a recurring theme. Deal, welch on deal. That is the pattern we will be following for the rest of the the novel. But before they leave, they discover that Agatha Hagglethorn had been wrapped in spirit barbed wire. (gasps) Spirit barbed wire? What even is spirit barbed wire? Who could have done such a thing? As I sat there staring at Agatha Hagglethorn's ice-cold breasts... I removed the barbed wire that propped them up like two full water balloons with some kind of pig gelatin inside them. And then I I unwound it and I I had no idea what could have made such a chain. It was no earthly magic. Of that I was certain. But yeah, we learned that there's been a lot of increased ghost activity. And that's strange. Also, it's important to note that ghosts are not the souls of the dead, because that (laughs) doesn't jive with Christianity uh, as much as Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures doesn't seem to realize that. Christianity, you go to heaven or hell, or you wait in the ground for Judgment Day. Those are kind of the only options. There's no, like, you wander around the earth for a while. But the Christian church have to be superheroes in this one because he didn't want, you know, casual fantasy Buffy the Vampire Slayer audience to get too weirded out by it. So these ghosts are just kind of like imprints, like spiritual robots just created by the emotions of a dead person. Yeah. So it's okay to stab them with your sword made out of the true cross. And it's okay for them to be there. That doesn't violate any Christian laws. Kind of, but yeah, yeah, that's how you get your occult and your Christianity together so that your kid can read the Dresden Files on the bus, even though it, uh, he probably shouldn't. Anyway, that that definition of ghost is going to become important later for several reasons. There's a flashback, but we're just going to handle it now. Oh, gosh. So prior to all this ghost and spooky activity... A girl comes into his office. She needs help. And she uses a magical power to make her nipples erect. (laughs) That's not a joke. That happens. Every woman in these books, I think I put this in my Goodreads review, wears their breasts like an accessory. They're not a body part. They're, you know... It's not just their chest. 
they do their breasts like one does their hair. How, how is she presenting her breasts to me? Uh, in this case, this woman has them like pushed up and she sits forward with her, with her back arched so that they're even more pushed up. And then as Harry's telling her like, oh, I don't have time to deal with your case. Come back in the morning. Those nipples, they just go. <laughs> <laughs> they poke on through. And he's like, huh. Nipple erection on command. Neat trick. But he's no, he's no, uh, I guess Dang. Jim, he's Jim Butcher. Yet. He's, he just... <laughs> he's not tempted by these ladies' delicious nipples. No, he is a, uh, a seasoned streetwise smart boy. And he knows that he should not. Here is my ghost charm that protects me, but I think you need it more, madam. Yeah, yeah, he, he does immediately give away his ghost charm because she's a woman in need, and that that checks all of his boxes. He does he does make sure to mention to her, like, I'm not gay. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like, that's not going to work on me. And she's like, oh, well, I could go get, like, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's not going to work on me either. I'm not gay. And why did I write the note? His first instinct was to be a man and give her hot cocoa. Oh, yeah, because she comes in with that little lost lamb look. And, ah, that's right. Yeah, he just wants to, and like, she like, she tries a few things. Like, she tries, uh, you know, playing on his, like, protective instincts, but then she tries seducing him, but then she just... Uh, breaks down and and just like <laughs> refuses to leave the room like hanging on his leg crying as he's yeah she she tries a number of ways to get to him and finally he's just like okay you win yeah uh and maybe she's... maybe she, she was like i'm very desirable like the lady jessica <laughs> right she's like i why don't you want to have sex with me in exchange for protection well, she claims to be having visions. This this is where he's yes. like at his most detective noir. He's like, ah, Cassandra's tears. Yeah. Convenient story. No way to make yeah, it prove. Yeah, total bullshit. You, you're telling me that I have the ability to turn down several different paths? Well, that's just a classic trick. You make me feel like I'm special, and then I'll just do whatever you want me to do. You're full of shit, lady. And then she's like, would my nipples change your mind? They would not. Would it help if I just start crying? Yes. <laughs> yes, because I, I'm not a pig. That would not make me, Harry Dresden, desirable to the ladies. The ladies don't like a man who's a little too eager. The ladies like a man who is protective and caring and nurturing. Just eager enough. He has to self-sacrifice. He has to give her his bracelet, which apparently was very hard to make because he can't make another one. Yeah. Yeah, he said that. It required some ingredient that he didn't have on him. Didn't do her a lot of good. No, I guess she kind of got what she paid for there. Maybe maybe it was just like a, a friendship bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it didn't actually do anything. Maybe he was just lying to her. Let's see. Ghost dust is extra real. Uh, killed the ghost pretty easily. Michael Joseph Patrick Carpenter. I wish you thought I was important. And I just started laughing. My libido noticed the sway of her hips. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you done talking about uh, 
Lydia and the Yeah, yeah. Just just remember that Lydia exists. She will be gone for most of the book, but she will come back whenever <laughs> it's time to later. move along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh my libido knows the sway of her hips, and I had to actually use context to figure out who he was talking about. That's Susan. His his girlfriend, but is he really is, is she really his girlfriend if he doesn't say that she he loves her? I don't know. I don't know. It's just a long-term relationship. Gotta make it official. I want to be Mrs. Susan Dresden Blackstone Copperfield Dresden. Susan Rodriguez sways her hips at him. But that's when Harry realizes his gigantic as fuck fat cat is missing. <gasps> oh no! Vampires, Ben! Shit, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. How old do you picture Harry Dresden? Uh, well, I pictured him in the 1930s, and I pictured him to be, like, 50. But then, as the, <laughs> as the story went along, I think he gradually became younger. Yeah, so... still... So, Susan... It, and, and again, this is James Marster's performance slightly influencing me. Susan talks like... Well, hello, Harry Dresden. Would you like to come Help. over here and wrap those big, strong arms around me and Help. sweep Help. me off my feet and carry me over the threshold, even though you're not very athletic? Would you like to show me what's south of the Mason-Dixon line? <laughs> There's a thing or two I can do with my nipples. <laughs> I can make them go in. <laughs> okay (laughs) Uh, i it didn't get me until i got you (laughs) oh god okay (laughs) recover professionals very serious professional man we do serious work okay so yeah so she talks like that so here's the thing i'm i'm picturing Harry from the cover even and I know Jim Butcher doesn't draw the cover art but like he I I would hope he approves it I don't know uh Harry looks like he's in his late 30s early 40s minimum and I kind of got the same impression that like Susan was his age I think she's intended to be about his age whatever that age may be (laughs) but then she is supposed to be like super duper sexy like in an outward like she dresses is like a a skimpy little red riding hood to go to the vampire ball and like i don't know i just i didn't get the vibe that she was like like i i initially got the vibe that she was like you know maybe a woman in her late 30s early 40s um but then (laughs) as the book went on you're right like they both kind of de-aged a little bit (laughs) because harry starts acting like dumber and more impulsive like he's he's very world weary and detective at the beginning but then by the end he he's like i'll make a deal with anyone for anything right now i just <laughs> yeah. took a bunch of poison yeah that is that's pretty legit yeah that's how that happens and susan's like i'm sexy little red riding hood i've got a knife and bear mace in this basket and i will gut you if you touch me and i was but like also you could touch me 
you know. Well, but also I'm like, well, then why do you talk like, like she goes from being like everybody, I don't know. And again, could be James Marster's performance. I don't know if this is like the read in the book, but everybody has that kind of like old way of speaking. Yeah. It's very interesting. They all have that old way of speaking, but it's 2001 Chicago. Yeah. And you got to imagine they all hang out in like the hipster part of town. Which is Chicago? Is that? I don't know Chicago that well. I've only been there a couple times, but I'm like, guessing it's probably like the suburbs. The, <laughs> the hipster part of town is the suburbs. No, it's not. <laughs> no, but you'd think like they'd be a little bit more if they're going to like vampire balls. They've got James. If you're listening to this, you've been to Chicago a shitload of times. Where's the hipster part of town? The last time I was in Chicago, like really walking around Chicago, I was wearing a suit. And a homeless man complimented me. Uh, but then when I didn't have change, he withdrew his compliment. Oh, ouch. Yeah. One time, we gave change to a homeless guy, and then he complimented my wife in a way where I wanted to take the change back. <laughs> so now we're on to vampires, Ben. Are we? They're are here. They? Oh my god. Oh yeah. yeah, they are here. Yeah, they're here to give him an invitation to a ball, and definitely not kill him yeah i forgot and susan's swinging hips are also there yeah well obviously that's the most important part yeah his libido noticed her hips and his eyes noticed Noticed the vampires vampires. yeah there's there's a guy and a girl i remember the guy is kyle i don't remember the girl i also don't remember the girl other than the girl is very impulsive and wants to eat him and the guy is, like, trying to be all formal and shit. He, they're, they're both wearing tennis whites. I do remember that. I remember that, and I thought, is that what vampires are going to be in this world? Yuppies? <laughs> are they? Are they? <laughs> I could see, you know, that would be an interesting choice. Because, like, it's metaphorical. Because then there's a real reason where you wouldn't want to be a vampire. Well, yeah, because it's like, you know, vampires are always the aristocrats feeding on the blood of the poor and now they could be like the yuppies feeding on the blood of the poor. God, there needs to be there needs to be a thing where if you become a vampire, you become a hipster, and like it's the worst thing ever. That, <laughs> that's the black court. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go smoke clove cigarettes and drink velvet black coffee. So this is when they introduce the court and the council and. And I wrote, now they're fucking, I think? Je- oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> Jesus, this is this really is like erotica for lonely virgin men. You might want to cut that part. <laughs> no, I want to leave that part in because I had the same thought. I Well, I, I didn't think it quite that mainly. You know, not, not the way you did. I, ah. I thought it more charitably of like, yeah, this is just kind of erotica. F- not erotica, but like romance for dudes. Trashy romance novel is what you kept calling it. Yeah, trashy romance novel. But I talked to a friend who has read many more of these than I have, and she told me that the romance like comes and goes. Some of these are just straightforward urban fantasy novels, and others deal more with the romantic stuff going on. Hmm. So yeah, which I was kind of sell more. Uh, oh, That's how you determine which way you lean? Yeah, she was telling me that like the first two books did not really read as as romantic ah that's why that's why you skip those two books i would guess that the romance sells it and this is kind of my soap opera which theory. way 
do her hips sway? The sex scene, and it's not erotica because the sex scene does like a tasteful fade to black. Yeah, it's like she wrapped she wrapped her legs around me. She straddled me. Something, something, something. We woke up the next morning. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it goes from like clothes on foreplay to like a tasteful fade to black and then a tasteful fade to black he wakes up the next morning with somebody pounding on his door oh i thought that's not where i was thinking you were gonna say wakes up next to pounding <laughs> on his back door <laughs> wakes up the next morning someone pounding on his prostate no that's uh in your <laughs> well i guess you didn't go there yeah i could go there though i mean There's always room for more. We'll see if anybody pays us after the first one. We might lose patrons. We might lose patrons. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to get this for free. And uh, some of them are going to listen to it. And some of them are going to (laughs) leave. All right. Oh, yeah. The phone was off the hook. I guess he gets a phone call and someone's like, I'm going to get you, Harry Dresden. He's like, what? What the fuck are you talking? Who is this? Beep. (laughs) <laughs> i forgot all about that yeah. i i just wrote down phone off the hook and that's when i was like this it was another thing that i was like what what time are we in but i guess you could technically have the phone off the hook well and he does mention that he's bad like the magic makes technology not work yeah fuck you technology yeah, and so it makes sense that he would have, like, simpler technology. The more complicated something is around him, the more likely it is to go wrong. So he doesn't he doesn't even have, like, electricity in his house. He uses candles in a fireplace. Yeah, it would be really unfortunate, then, if someone just shot him in the face. But I guess they try that. It doesn't work. What? People try to shoot oh, him. No. Uh, no, I'm just like, why were you? Why did you immediately go there? You're like, oh, technology doesn't work. Be real unfortunate if somebody shoots you in the face. <laughs> yeah, because I could use a gun and you have magic. Okay. I pull a trigger and I just end your existence. Oh, no, but he mentions he's got magical shields that stop bullets. Yeah, I know. He used them too. So, yeah. Also, can I just get this out on, on the field right now? He has no small amount of plot armor. What? What are you talking about? Harry Dresden is not ever in any realistic threat of danger in these books. Ben, because he's always very close to being out of magic. He has to pour the last of his willpower like a green lantern into his staff. Or his blasting rod. And then the scene goes on a little longer, and he has to pour even the laster bit of the of the rest of his magic. <laughs> but into then he has the to thing. get magic from somewhere else so that he could. So pour he makes a deal, more. which he immediately welches on, and then he pours the last of that magic. That's. <laughs> uh, I'm unclear as to how much power Harry has. I just know sometimes he has more, and sometimes he has less. But I, I do think there's a. a Pounding on his door. It's Michael? Mm, I think that you're incorrect. I thought it was the police, maybe. Editor Ben here. I can't help but notice that in the episodes Nate's edited recently, he's made sure to point out every time during the recording that he was right and I was wrong. So I thought it only fair that I point out that this time it was Michael at the door and we are about to skip a very important plot point. Because my next notes are about dead animals and need to be invited in. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so let's do the police. All right, but let me go grab some water real quick. 
I'm a professional, professional man, okay? So I'll be right back. As Nate went to go get the water, I pondered why he was so thirsty, and in so many ways. He jiggled his way out of the room, visible on his webcam. I thought long and hard about that water, that cool water, poured down his throat, entering into his soft, supple guts. The thing about becoming a podcaster is... changes you. When a podcaster looks into another podcaster's eyes, he doesn't just see. He, uh, he hears the ums and the ahs and the, the other mouth noises of their soul. You know, sometimes you'll see the most, most beautiful waveforms anyone's ever conjured. But then other times you will see just roomfuls of noise. Noise that cannot be gated, cannot be reduced with any sort of algorithm. And that kind of noise sticks with you. Then Nate came back. I had to put aside my monologue while he hastily ate of his chips and drank of his water. All the while, flipping his nipples with his free hand, trying to make him perk, but remaining unsuccessful in that endeavor. Just like our podcast. Oh, yeah. Probably should have turned off the camera. My bad. Yeah, so they're going to see his old cop friend from the werewolf case, I assume. I forget his name. I ass- I'm i going to... Do you know his name? The the guy who got fucked up? Yeah. Uh, Let's call him Nichol. I'm going to call him Hampson. Good old Hampson Jones. That's his <laughs> oh, name. Oh, Jesus. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Hampson T. Jones. I know Murphy is the name. She's the Murphy's the police the lady. chief. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know every woman's name and cup size, but I don't know any of the men. <laughs> Though I imagine Hampson T. McGillicuddy. I forget what I called him the first time. I imagine he is a C cup, and Harry will have a fun time. Walking into his house. Yeah, you gotta get invited in. That's right. If you're a wizard, or a vampire, or any other magical creature. Otherwise you'll lose a good portion of your power at the door. Yeah. You know, and and we pick on stuff. I actually did like this. This is part of the magic. Yeah. Yeah, this is part of the magic system I kind of like. How you kind of get that vibe when you walk into a house if it feels like lived in if you're in somebody else's space or if you're in like a hotel they feel different and there this book says that that happens because there is a kind of magic that is created when somebody makes a space a home and it is especially powerful and i found this maybe a little problematic uh it's especially powerful if you have a wife and children yeah <laughs> and in a good old-fashioned nuclear american family <laughs> yeah it peaks at exactly two and a half children yeah after that doesn't matter how many kids you have i don't want the grandparents in there that's weird we don't do that over here maybe in italy that <laughs> creates magic but not here okay <laughs> this is 2001 so 
That was totally legit. Nowadays, because the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage, um, you can you can now create your own demise with uh, with, with same sex couples. It's, it's totally okay, but not in two thousand one, Ben. And never to Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he actually has to be invited out. Dresden has to be invited in. Michael has to be escorted out. <laughs> He never does anything bad in this book. No, he's, he's cool. Yeah, he's fine. I think he's supposed to be a juxtaposition to bad boy Harry Dresden. Yeah, Michael's whole character is just kind of being like the most idealized version of the Christian faith, I would say. He's very Christ-like, except for the sword, in that he tries to always be kind to everybody. He tries to honor his word. He doesn't even really like speak out against the the fairies and the demons he's just you know humble meek going about his business trying to be a good servant basically unlike 99 percent of the christians i've encountered didn't uh isn't jesus gonna come back with a sword is that yeah that's true uh in the sequel he is gonna be a lot more active <laughs> in the sequel <laughs> yeah so we, we go into the house uh finally after getting you know Two or three people involved in the invitation process. It, and... it is a very long like process. Like, hey, can you go inside? Ask his wife to come out. Have him come and 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 invite me in, and then I I'll distinctly... go in. Meanwhile, can uh, Officer Jackass stand out here and talk about how he doesn't believe in ghosts and shit? That'd be really nice. I was running when I was listening to this part. And I distinctly remember I ran half a mile, and I am not a fast runner, between the time he got to the porch and the time he walked into the house. So. Hey, there are some dead animals out there. That's a little weird, right? Yeah, never really explained. Never a good reason for that. The, uh, the closest we got to an explanation is that the demon was just cracking necks like somebody chain smoking cigarettes. He was cigarettes. bored, okay? Yeah. Oh, I guess we did forget about the church, but about the same stuff happens, right? You did forget about the church. It was Michael knocking at the door. I remember the story better than you. Oh, my God. I basically uh, didn't write that down. Editor Ben, told you. What happened to Hampson? <laughs> well, he's now a crazy person with his eyes either, I think, not crossed, the, the opposite of crossed. His eyes are going outward. And he's laughing hysterically. And they tied him to the bed. And Harry's like, alright, you guys fuck off for a bit. I got this. Let me use my wizard vision! And this guy got mauled by some sort of supernatural creature. But also, he's got some sort of black Barbie... Is that... Is that barbed wire? All up on his shit? What could do this to a human spirit? Oh my god. How could it have crossed the threshold? How could it have crossed the threshold? Why does he look like he was mauled by some kind of ghost shark? But first he's gotta get this barbed wire off. He rips it off. He burns it by yelling, Fuego! I just... You forgot Guardian Angel Murphy busts in and he forgot to turn off his wizard sight, so he just gets like a full face full of that gleaming angel awesome I didn't Murphy magic. Ben. 
I just want you to be the one to tell it. <laughs> yeah, so he gets that gleaming angel Murphy magic. And he's like, my God, she's so beautiful. Murphy, open that window where we're literally all going to die. Fuego! And she has no idea what's going on. But he's like, I just saved that man's life. And this was billable time. Speaking of billable time, Editor Ben's billable time is just about up for the week. So we are going to have to leave off here. Next week, we will conclude our exciting discussion of grave peril of the Dresden Files. I don't know if it's like the Dresden Files series. I'm I'm guessing these books are the Dresden Files. Uh, possibly the most disappointing thing about the book so far has been the lack of files in the text. Uh, you know, X-Files had files. They were investigating files. And yeah, I just thought maybe there would be files, but I was wrong about that as I was about so many other things in my life. So we will be back next week to find out exactly what is haunting the streets of Chicago? How are the vampires involved? Can Harry Dresden fight the vampires? The answer is probably yes, because there's like a million more of these books and they're all about fucking vampires. So uh, I got to imagine you figure something out there. And yeah, in the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter at WABpod, Instagram at Words About Books Podcast. Send us an email if you want to suggest anything or if you have anything you think we should talk about at wordsaboutbookspod at gmail.com. If you uh, think we deserve a little something extra, we do have a Patreon where we release all sorts of bonus content. You can check that out. There's also a little fancy video cartoon now done by our good friend Momo Monster. And uh, thank you guys so much. I will see you next time.